This week on the Straight Talk and Mental Health Podcast, we are talking being an escort with Hannah. Um, so I've been in the sex work industry for about seven years. It's sort of something that's been there for me when I've needed it. It was always like, I need the money or I'm struggling. It helped me through a lot. I'd just go out every weekend and party and just go home with someone. And I just could not be alone. I didn't know how to be alone. And that's just typical abandonment issue stuff a lot of people will think that you're gonna you know you lose you have no self-respect blah 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 I learned self-respect boundaries and my self-worth I learned a lot about myself my, my sexuality all that sort of thing through sex work it's taught me a lot about myself You are very welcome to the Straight Talking Mental Health Podcast, a podcast that is so simple, it's all there in the title, Straight Talking Mental Health. We do that through the conversations with our guests and through our own experiences. Our guests come on, they share their life, we learn from their experiences, they share their words of wisdom, so that hopefully we can all better improve our own mental health. My name is Alan Clark. I'm a psychotherapist with a degree in counseling and psychotherapy and a master's in child and adolescent psychotherapy. This is not a psychotherapy podcast, although sometimes, as you will hear with many of our guests, it's hard for me not to take the psychotherapist hat off and ask those kind of probing questions. But overall, we try to knock a little bit of crack out of this. We take the dark with the light, the light with the shade, the yin to the yang, because that's life and that's how we like to keep it around here. Ordinarily at this point, you would hear me throw over to Ashling, co-host. Unfortunately, we've had some technical difficulties this week, so we don't have that recording, so we don't have our check-in piece at the start ordinarily we'd have our kind of 25 minute 30 minute check-in of how we're feeling what's been going on in our lives what's got us smiling and riling unfortunately we haven't got that this week so we will just have our interview with hannah so if you haven't checked us out on social media yet or you want to come on and be a guest if you've got a topic suggestion if you've got some feedback on any of our previous guests please get in contact on any of the social media that is facebook instagram twitter and tiktok and you can also view us on youtube if you haven't already please do click over if you're on your phone you're probably listening on spotify or something like that switch over to the youtube back Check out the video, see what you think. So you can get us on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at STMH podcast. So all across the board on all of the social media, it is at STMH podcast. If social media isn't your thing, maybe you want to drop us an email. You can do that. The email is hello at stmhpodcast.com, which is part of the website, www.stmhpodcast.com. If you go onto the website, you'll find links to all of the social media. You'll also find a link to our newsletter. Pop in your email and then you're going to get all of our episodes directly into your email when it goes live at midnight on Tuesday. If you've sent in some correspondence, we'll get to next week. As I said, unfortunately, we had those technical difficulties. We don't have the recording for the check-in piece. So we'll get to all of that later on. But in the meantime, let's just throw over to Hannah. Let's let her tell her amazing story. For what I believe to be the first time ever, we're crossing over to the other side of the world normally what we have is we have we've had guests from south africa we've had guests from england we've had loads of americans we've had loads of canadians but i think for the first time ever we're going on a completely different time zone and we're crossing all the way over to australia to talk to hannah her her (laughs) performance name what what would what would we call it oh yeah yeah uh working name i guess working (laughs) name working name yeah you know by the title, folks, you know why you're here, because we're here to straight talk uh, being a sex worker, being an escort. Escort, I believe, is is the term you use yourself, Anna. Correct, yeah. Yeah, we had uh, we yeah. had Lindsay Murray on a couple of weeks ago. We had a sex therapist. Um, we're all about the sex lately. We had a sex therapist on a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and now we've got a, we've got a sex worker now. And yeah. 
As I say, what we do, we straight talk it. So we, we typically use the, the, the vernacular of Joe Public. You know, Joe Public would typically say prostitute. Lindsay made the very good point of that depersonalizes the person. And, you know, sex worker obviously implies that there's a person there. And it's not just it's not just this role. But you, you yourself, Anna, you, your, your term would be escort. Correct. Yeah, escort. Correct. <laughs> okay. So before we get into all of that, Hannah, can you maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever you're, whatever you're comfortable to, to let us know? Yeah. Um, so I've been in the sex work industry for about seven years. Um, I started when I was living in South Australia, um, which it's like completely illegal there. Um, but um, I had a really good experience working with some other girls and whatnot. And um, it just felt like I belonged somewhere. It was really nice. I had a really good experience and I was lucky. So it's sort of something that's been there for me when I've needed it, it was always like, I need the money or I'm struggling. It helped me through a lot. Um, but it ended up being something that um, I had an ex-partner out me to my mother and sort of forced me to talk about it. Um, and luckily, 95% of people in my life were like, fine with it. And so I've just pursued it full time and um, used it to my advantage to pursue things I want to do in the future um, on my own you know, routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and where you are at the moment is it legal or illegal or decriminalized or what's what's the status yeah so it's legalized here in queensland um but there are a lot of laws in place that make it very hard for us to do our job safely and properly um it makes it hard for us to get clientele um there's a lot of back and forth and time wasting um so we're trying to decriminalize which would treat us just like every other work you know workplace or you know occupation mm-hmm. um and I, I know, for example, sex workers in the, in in the Netherlands, you know, they have their own their own union, they have healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a profession mm. as as, yeah. as any other profession. What what are some of the the blocks that are in place, the stumbling blocks that are in place there that you have to deal <laughs> so, with? Um, we're not allowed to advertise our services, like dis- describe our services. We have to be really, um, you know, this is the girlfriend experience. Here's a price. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you what's in it, um, but please book me. Mm. Um, they are allowed to text and then you can talk about it, but that initial contact, they're trying to figure out the service and if they want it. Uh, and so you think you might be getting work and then you don't. And it's sort of just like this part that didn't have to exist. It's a bit mm. of time wasting. It's a lot of texting mm. in Queensland. Yeah. I, I was, I was yeah. wondering that. Does that be, lead to a lot of time wasting, a lot of back and forth? Oh, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, um, it gives people an excuse to collect pictures and, and claim that they're interested and just waste our times. Yeah, it's a big problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, there, there is a term on, on TikTok, uh, accountant, I believe, is, uh, is yeah. a computer term. <laughs> Spicy <laughs> So account, I, I yeah. have literally, for anyone that's in Ireland, today it's a deadline to file your tax returns uh, to oh. 31st. So um, if you're looking for an accountant on TikTok, I don't know if Hannah's going to be the able to one that's going to help you with oh, your with your no. income tax or your PAYE. <laughs> yeah, no, my accountant is not happy with the mess of my bank accounts thanks to the ADHD. But <laughs> mm. well, that's, we're getting that's there. We get into. Uh, so, an accountant. So, are, are you set up as a as a business as a sole trader? I mean, as I said, it's yeah, they're, they're yeah. happy to take your tax. They just don't want to. Yeah. They don't want you letting people know how you're making yeah. money. 
no no so that yeah there's there's a lot of different like ridiculous laws but like it's like if i'm good enough to pay tax i should be good enough to be treated just like every other workplace you know it's mm. not fair but i do have an abn um and whatnot and i have paid my tax I'm registered for gst now that sort of thing so i have to collect more tax um <laughs> but yeah just treat it like legally that sort of stuff it's all just like mm. any other sole trader yeah 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 I, I doubt many of your clients are uh, are claiming tax relief though, are they? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> they're not looking um, for receipts. Yeah. No, no, not really. No, and they're not too happy to be signing off on anything with me. So. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, uh, you mentioned kind of about seven years. Hmm. How how did it start for you then initially, Emma? Oh, I was in Adelaide, um, full time work that pays well. Um, is really hard to find full-time work in general. Um, I was working in retail, I was earning like $700 a week. I just finished my um, degree in teaching and it wasn't something I really wanted to pursue. I just sort of did it because that's what you do when you leave school. Anyway, I was working in the retail job and I was an assistant manager and I was on a salary and I was earning like nothing. And my housemate had moved out and I was struggling. Like I was having to go to friends' houses for food and stuff for dinner because I was just, yeah, just couldn't, it was hard. It was hard. So and I just remember just hating the job. Just it was so boring. We never had customers. I was always getting ridiculed by like head office. And one day I just thought, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna email. I'm gonna email, contact the brothel, and I'm just gonna. I would joke about it for ages. A lot of people joke about becoming a stripper, and I was like, no, nah, mm. screw it. And the first time she, my my madam, who I'm still good friends with today, um, shout out to Kelly. Uh, she she called me and said, you, you know what you have to do, right? You know, I was like, I know. I'd rather be doing this than doing that than this. Like, you know what I mean? It, you know, yeah. and in one day I made my whole week's wages. And I thought, what? You know, but it was always, it was, it, it's illegal and it's like, you know, everyone's going to, you know, and Adelaide's very reserved. You know, it's the city of churches. So very, very judgy, um, a lot of religious people everywhere. Mm. Um, so you, you mentioned starting off going into uh, a brothel with a with, with a madam. Is that, I mean, does that afford you? Look, we're dealing with something that is typically in most countries of the world illegal. And when yeah. you're dealing in an illegal activity, mm-hmm. you're dealing with essentially, quotation marks for our listeners, criminals. Yes. Which yeah. can open you up into an unsafe world. Does yeah. working within the brothel does that give you a safety or what? What's the what's the difference in the dynamic? Um, well, brothels in Queensland, like ones where it's legal, they have obviously they have a really they've got a funded setup. They've got it's a real business. You know, it's it's something in there. So rooms will have panic buttons. There will be um, timers going off. There's access to lock doors or unlock doors or whatever. Um, should there be a threat or anything like that um and there's there's a minimum staff on that are there for your safety you know in brothels but the one in Adelaide obviously very different um very different however my madam was very big woman and um you know like stocky you know she could she could take you down um and I just Mm. remember her (laughs) once one of the one of the customers um was just being really rough with one of the girls and she literally just picked him up um pretty sure he was naked just picked him up threw him out get out so she did not mm. take any shit, but you, yeah. yeah, it's, it's harder when um other girls come to fill in other receptionists and they're, they're really small, but they, they have the right attitude and a lot of men just will get intimidated just from you puffing your chest out and having something to say and making a bit of noise and they'll leave. So 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're bollock shrink then at that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a few girls in the house, so there's enough of us to outnumber. Yeah. Yeah. What, why of everything you, you could have done, Hannah? Why do you think you were you were drawn to that you know, to initially? I think at that time I was like 21. Um, I was, you know, going through my own mental health issues, discovering a lot about my the way I was thinking and my toxic behaviour and whatnot, and I was very impulsive and I would – you know, easily falling for guys and dating people and, and, you know, going, going home with them and I'd get nothing out of that. And I'd always say, you know, I'm sick of this. Like, this is crap. Like you you get something from me and then all these Mm. promises you've made to date don't actually happen. You disappear. Like, no, I want something from this from now on, you know? So Mm. that sort of went hand in hand with the retail. Yeah. It was sort of a way of, I suppose, doing this uh, on your own terms. Yeah. Getting something out of it, you know? Mm. So, Mm. yeah. It's more kind of self-empowerment. Yeah, yeah. I actually, a lot of people will think that you're going to, you know, you lose, you have no self-respect, blah, blah, blah. I learned self-respect boundaries and my self-worth. I learned a lot about myself, my, my sexuality, all that sort of thing through sex work. It's taught me a lot about myself and other mm. people. Yeah. And yeah. As, as I said, you mentioned the mental health uh, issues leading up to that. Mm. And it is, we are a mental health podcast. What, what are some yeah. of the, the, from what you're saying, there seems to be, through sex work and through, I suppose, that uh, self-exploration and self-awareness, yeah. I, I hear a benefit to your mental health on one yeah. hand, but yeah. is there is there a negative side to, to your mental health from, from the job? Yeah, so um, at the time uh, I was diagnosed with bi- uh, borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder. Um, that was, the bipolar was misdiagnosed. I'm actually ADHD. Mm. Um, so I found that, I had a lot of issues with, with abandonment and whatnot and I was self-harming through um, having sex with people and things like that. And because I was taught, as you are in a woman, especially from the, that sort of time, you know, um, you feel loved through sex, I guess. And mm-hmm. um, I think learning to separate it and not um, affiliate it with love and affiliate it as these are my terms, these are my rules, I call the shots here, I was able to step away from that connection to it being something that I did for self-harm and it being something that I had control of. Um, So, but the negative side, I guess, when it's full-time, it's so draining because you're having to, it's a business, so there's customer Mm. service involved where sometimes you don't agree with what they say or you don't like them or, you know, and um, you just got to be able to just turn off, become Hannah, sweet in whatever, um, you know, and provide that customer service and just change roles but mm. it's, it's draining it's so draining yeah. mentally a little bit different from retail where you're just like yes madam <sighs> just show me your receipt <laughs> we oh, get you a refund and you can't tell people how you feel like if someone's being irrational and like screaming you're just like okay sure whereas if that happened now i'd be like i i can just stick up for myself i love that yeah yeah, yeah. um it's hard not to put my psychotherapist hat on at times on the, on the podcast, Hannah. Uh, okay. I maybe throw, throw a wild guess out there. Was there maybe some uh, sexual trauma or some trauma in childhood that, yeah. as I said, yeah. had you looking for love and attachment yeah, through yeah, sex? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was, I was uh, sexually abused by an employer um, when I had left home around the age of like 18. Um and, you know, I had been sexually assaulted 
a couple of times by peers and whatnot, not realizing it was sexual assault because we didn't mm. get the same education we get today. And we sort of just, it's okay. And so we allow more of it, not realizing that's consent is a huge discussion now. Whereas it's like, oh, you didn't say no, you didn't scream, get off me, then you consented. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So thankfully, there's a little bit more education uh, at the yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah. Well, the reason I said there's many, many clients that I would have seen that have. Um, and in Ireland, there, there's the, an agency called One in Four, um, mm-hmm. and One in Four relates to one of four people that had been sexually abused uh, mm. in childhood. I think it's yeah. gone up to one in five, maybe at the moment. But mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of people that have been through that uh, become hypersexualized, so yeah. that becomes yeah. their way of getting attention. Oh, when I yeah. when I give this person what they want, or I give people sex, or you know, that's how I can get some semblance of feeling of love or yeah. connection that yeah. I lacked. Yeah. And, and it's carried through, it carried through until probably a year ago um, for me. And I didn't think it was still a thing because I felt so power empowered in work and whatnot. So it was um, confronting to be like, mm, you still need to work on that regardless because sex work isn't a fix. The inner work is, is the fix. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I suppose let, let, let's start with the immediate of, as you said, you, you were outed, mm. as, as you put it. What, what was that experience like for you? Uh, I, um, I dated, that was my first serious girlfriend, I guess. And um, I was absolutely love bombed. This person jumps from relationship to relationship and loves bomb, love bombs people. And uh, because it was my first real relationship with a girl and I, I felt so deeply because I was just so excited that, you know, I was exploring it and I'd met mm. someone that I connected with, et cetera. Anyway. Um, a bit of trauma bonding up, perhaps? A tra- lot of trauma bonding, a lot of trauma <laughs> bonding. Yes, mm. <laughs> very toxic. Um, yeah, we got very close and she was not okay with my job. Um, she, I told her very early on, she was the first partner I'd ever told and she was fine with it to start with and then sort of grew. It was quite clear she wasn't okay. And it was at a point like where I needed the money and I was paying some things off and then it was going to change, which I 100% meant. Anyway, um, this kind of person gets very bored with relationships if they're not going her way and she is a bit of a a cheater. Um, Mm. I know a few of her exes now and it's a pattern, so I don't take it personally, but I ended up like finding um, her lying, actually walking in and catching her out a little bit. Um, And then, yeah, I think just that sort of – knowing that she'd been caught for doing the wrong thing with evidence, which doesn't happen often for her. Um, she thought, screw it. And she's gone to my mother and messaged her and, and whatnot. And yeah, I scrambled and I was like, mom, it's not true. It's not true. You know? And she, she sort of was just like, I don't care if it's true. Like, is it true? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I don't care. Like, you know, if what, there was, was going to be a like problem. To, yeah. What was it like to get that reaction then from your mom? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And um, it definitely created a really good relationship for us. And, you know, I, a lot of things changed for me. I changed a lot as a person. I lost, I was, I was a lot more overweight. I lost all my weight. I, you know, I was so much happier and um, yeah, mum and I are really close, like a lot closer now and there's like no lies and it's so nice not to have to lie anymore. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And you'd said that had been the, the first girl you were with. So there had been male relationships prior to that, was it? Yeah, I had um, dated a couple other girls, but she was my first, like, 
in love, like mm. obsessed. But yeah, male relationships, a lot of them when I was a lot younger, before I was diagnosed, before I realized I was aware of what I was doing. Um, it was a lot of impulsivity, especially when I was younger and I was had just left home and I was like not okay. And obviously just I just left home. So I was already like couch surfing and then my employer assaulted me. Um, I had to sort of suck that up because I had nowhere to live and it was the first time. So, you know, it was uh, it was something I pushed into the back of my mind for like years. Um, so, yeah, and then, yeah, all the, the men like looking for – I'd just go out every weekend and party and just go home with someone and I just could not be alone. I didn't know how to be alone and that's just typical abandonment mm. issue stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. and I, I think – maybe maybe you said it i think you said it but, but i can't figure i can't remember if you said it or if it just if i said it in my head of uh those sexual experiences as self-harming you know yeah, that we can yeah, put no, ourselves at great earlier. risk yeah, yeah 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 i didn't realize it was self-harming i'm like i'm doing it to feel mm. better i'm like you're not though because you just don't want to be alone so you're like you have this if it means i can be with someone <laughs> yeah yeah have, have yeah. you undergone therapy yourself hannah yeah, so I've got a psychology yeah, degree so. can, behind I can, I can me. Sort of tell yeah, in the I did five yeah. years of DBT. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, uh, quite DBT uh, would be quite a, te- a popular technique that they would use around trauma and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I often hear on guests as like, I just hear the self awareness of like, there's a lot of therapy there. Uh, there's, there's a lot, lot of work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can tell. I think you can tell with people because. There's a comfort with themselves. It's the ability to be able to talk about these experiences, to not be triggered mm-hmm. by these experiences, um, and a lot of self acceptance that goes along with these experiences. And and I think that yeah. you know, I was able to guess <laughs> just just yeah. from just from hearing you talk. Um, I think Thank that's, you. That's a compliment. That's, that's Thank a, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, well, to you, you know, a testament to your character that that you've undergone the work because, you know, as as I'm sure you know yourself, and I'm sure maybe perhaps some of your your work colleagues, uh, as you'd call them in mm-hmm. any other profession, haven't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, can you can perhaps yeah. still see that, um, still see those yeah, issues hard. manifesting. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. And it's, um, I've had to learn to separate myself from that too because I just want to save them and fix them and little baby birds. But yeah, some people just, they need to go through the journey on their own. Otherwise, they're not going to learn. You're going to make them worse. So, yeah. 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 I remember I remember a friend of mine telling me before she she had a very good one it was something like um uh some people aren't awake and they get angry at you when you try to wake them up they're still asleep yeah. and they get angry yeah. when you try yeah, to I wake like them that. up yeah it's yeah. a good one yeah so I was yeah. like you got to you got to let them wake up you know none of us mm. really react too well to being woken up so when we get woken up we're not always we're not always open to it uh, just like to go back mm. a little bit um Hannah in terms of um as you said Day one in that brothel, you made more mm. than or as much as, you know, a weekly wage. Yeah. What was day one like? You know, what's it day like one. to put yourself in this position <laughs> of going, okay, I'm getting oh, paid wow. to have sex with someone? Yeah. Oh, I just remember it was, I look back and I'm like, oh, <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> you want you a baby bird no yourself, idea, just put the arms Bless. around you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I got there and um, I remember my friend dropped me off and was like, because it was a house and she's like, this is really sketchy. You're going to get murdered. And I was like, I don't know, maybe, but still better than working in retail. Um, <laughs> and I, 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 I'm sure every, everyone that works in Kildare Village, a retail outlet in Kildare Town was like, I get it. I fucking get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Customer's anyway, always an so, asshole. <laughs> yeah, I rang the bell and I just remember this is obnoxiously loud, like 
ringtone bell thing and I'm like god that's real discreet um <laughs> yeah anyway so I get there and this lady comes and she sits me down and you know I'm dressed up and she's like oh what are you wearing and it was it was just so funny it was like a, it looked like I was going for a job interview it, I was wearing like all black and like stockings and heels and she's like mm. what that, anyway um so yeah she just blew me up and said no 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 <laughs> you need to change just like you wear you know where you're lingerie and you wear your little um what's it a dressing gown whatnot Anyway, she's like, you're new, you're going to do great in your first day because people love new people. So mm-hmm. um, all the regulars sort of were like, yeah, sweet. And um, I just remember my first time was so awkward. He had to tell me to like get undressed. He's like, are you, are you okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it was funny. It was pretty funny. But, yeah, no, I had a really – like the girls there were so supportive and like um, the madam was really lovely and I used to go in and do each other's makeup and stuff and – you know, it was awesome and we'd swap stories. If we saw each other's shopping center, because we, we wouldn't know each other's names, we'd just be like, hey, girl, like whatever, and we'd say we'd know each other from friends or whatever. But it was so Hey, what's cool up, because, Hannah? Yeah. Cortez, yeah. Right. It, it was Paige back then, actually. Give the wink Paige. for our listeners, yeah. just like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. But, no, it was great. And um, that, that culture isn't um, – hugely around and a lot of brothels from my experience mm-hmm. with a lot of cattiness and mm-hmm. I'm just like oh but um I don't know I think I was just lucky I think I think if I had a different yeah. experience it'd be very different yeah yeah um at what point do you move from the brothel to self-employment I suppose yeah independent we call it mm, yeah um so I when I first moved here and I first couple of years I struggled to make friends so I moved up to Queensland that's where I am now Brisbane I moved up here just for, for a few reasons like family and work and blah 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 um it took me a couple of years to make make friends because I was working in my day job was in an industry that's like civil you know what I mean like mining and stuff so I was working with like 40 to 50 year old dudes and that was my whole dynamic there and I'm like this mm. this is hard and you know um didn't really have the money because I was like renting alone again. I had some debt and it was hard for a while there. Um, so I would do this like sex work here and there. I just like advertised. I was like super duper cheap then as well. And I just didn't know much about it because I didn't take it seriously as a job. I'd let the brothel call the shots with the prices. I was like, I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, when I, when I got um, outed, I worked for an agency in Sydney um, and I, I learned a lot about, um, accommodation, booking, um, advertising, um, timing, all little things that, that are important. And I learned a lot of like business focus, like mindset from that. And then, um, when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. um, I had my day job and everything still, I didn't, I wasn't pursuing it full time, but I would, um, I would do my day, day job then. And then I think after the peak made it really bad where everyone could come out of lockdown sort of thing, could go to shops and stuff, but you still couldn't dance at clubs and things like yeah, that. Yeah. That's when I was sort of doing doing more of it um, just to make extra money and stuff. And, um, yeah, then from the outing, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to do it full time. And I fell in love with it and I loved to keeping all my money and choosing where I worked and choosing who mm. I saw and it was good. Yeah. Mm. Has, has it changed your opinion or your attitude toward men as, as you've gone along? Yeah. Um, I changed a lot of perspectives in terms of like not just my sexuality but the way I view relationships. Um, I learned a lot about like what men are missing when they are being um, – when they are cheating on their partners because a lot of a lot of men cheat on their partners 
from my experience. A lot of my clientele, I should say, a lot of my clientele are cheating on their partners. Um, and it's just because, and a lot of them talk really either don't talk about them or they talk about them really fondly. And I'm like, this is really uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but it changed my view on like monogamy and um, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's taught me a lot. It's also taught me that a lot of a lot of dudes can be really nasty as well. So I hear a lot of a lot of things that are just yeah not nice about women. Have you had any of those experiences yourself, or is that is that second knowledge? Yeah, I get lectured on like tattoos. I get lectured on um, piercings. I get like I'm just and I just say to them, "Hey, you're married. I have piercings." We've made decisions, and I don't know what to say after. That. I, don't know, I, kind of, I kind of don't know how to feel about someone being so judgmental of mm, you know someone that's yeah. cheating on their spouse being quite so judgmental around around a piercing yeah. or a tattoo. Yeah, You're kind of not yeah. really in a it's, fucking position to judge everybody. The audacity is real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> audacity is on sale, and they bought all of it. So, <laughs> yeah. have you found yourself in any unsafe situations, Anna? Uh, yeah, I have. Um, I've never been. I've never been like pinned down and attacked or anything like that um I did actually have a client uh stealth me which I don't know do you know what that means stealthing no okay what that means is removing protection without consent or knowledge of the other party Mm. so I had a client stealth me last year in October and um I realized because I know what I know what it feels like when somebody you know what I mean and I went to the toilet and realized like yep so I went in and uh, asked him and said uh did you finish? Yeah. Where's the condom? Um, and Esther was on the was on the bedside table. He'd taken it off um, very quickly, very swiftly, and he sort of was kind of like <laughs> smug about it. And I was like, I wanted, I wanted to just like smack him one so bad, but I went to the cops instead, and he ended up getting charged with rape. Um, so Whoa. yeah, we're in the process of pursuing that and getting him convicted. What, yeah. What's what is that like for you? I mean, I mean, it's something that puts obviously your health at risk you know um, oh yeah I had to get a rape kit and I had to get tested um I yeah I had to make sure I had uh, the morning after pill um I had a lot of poking and prodding happen to me um in the hospital for it took me about five hours to do everything it was very traumatic um but I've never been like pinned down and had someone like beat beat me up or like mm. force themselves on me really at all Uh, people have tried like they've tried to like a little bit and I sort of just I can be a very confrontational person and I puff my chest up and I go from sweet Hannah to who I really am they go oh (laughs) and they learn and some Mm -mm. some of your friends within the industry have they experienced that have they been on the oh yeah oh yeah I'm very very lucky I'm Mm. very lucky Mm. um I know girls who I, I know one who was drugged by a client um and and he assaulted her and she doesn't even know how long she was there for you know and um I know a girl who similar thing and he filmed himself and everything and thought it was amazing and his friend sat there and watched um it's disgusting there there was there was a um there was something in news in Queensland maybe a couple of years ago where um a guy was um drugging girls and keeping them in his house and advertising them um, and making money and sex trafficking them in, in Brisbane. Yeah. It was caught and everything because one of the girls was able to sober up and act drugged, I think, and write a note to someone. Um, yeah. So strange. 
Mm. What was the experience like going to the police? Um, you know, from from my own knowledge, a lot of the times. Uh, being being an escort, being a sex worker is quite dismissive. It's like, well, this is the yep. you know, this is this is what's going to happen if you find yourself in that kind of industry. But it seems yeah. you know if if they pursued it by the sounds of it. Um, I every experience I know and my friends have had with police, or almost every, have been negative. Um, and like you said, dismissive. And oh well, you know, what do you expect? Or you know, um, well. You know, it's like someone was set up by set up by a cop because they're allowed to um they're allowed to entrap us here. Um, wow. yes, and yes, they're allowed to do that. Um, and it's a lot of conflicting messages there, Hannah. It's like it's not illegal, yeah. but we're allowed to entrap you. You can pay yep. taxes, but you can't advertise. It's yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very confusing. Yes. It's like here we'll give you what you want, but not really. Um, yeah, but you yeah. have to pay a price for it. You know. Mm. Um. Yeah, she got set up and he ended up just um, bribing her or not forcing her to bribe him. Um, and then she called for advice from the police and they essentially said, well, it sounds like he did you a favour. And I'm just like, she was robbed. Thank you. But, um, no, I had a one good experience with a female cop mm. and she's super pro-sex work, super feminist. I was very lucky. Like they were looking, mm. the angels were looking down on me. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've been thinking was, that as you've gone along, I was like, you've been so lucky. Um, you know, that yes, first I've been brothel, very lucky. you know, to get a good, a good cop, you know, to not yeah. thankfully have those experiences. I was meant to be doing sex work. I think like someone's like, this is, you're meant to be doing it, you know, like, because mm. yeah, other girls, so many other girls have the worst experiences. So many. Mm. You, you mentioned going into um, the, the kind of the attitude towards, towards men has, has changed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Again, I know, I know some of the ones around your TikTok, but. Could you maybe <laughs> d- describe some of those experiences that you found yourself in where you're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think of examples. Like I, I, I don't really see men that are misogynistic now. I don't really see men that are like that. A lot of my regulars are lovely. So um, I can't think of like a very recent example, but I mean, a lot of them will text me and be like, show me your tits, like get your pussy out so I can see what, you know, what I'm working with. And it's just like, mm. excuse me. Um, I'm a, I'm a person, um, you know, mm. um, I don't ever see a client if they're showing that behavior, but I do have them sitting there being like, oh, you've kind of been away or blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, oh yeah, my wife sucks. She doesn't give me blow jobs, blah, blah. And I just said to them like, if you're not happy, you should probably leave. You know, I don't want to hear about it. And I've had to mm. pull them up being like, I'm a woman. Come on. I'm a woman. I don't want to. Yeah. No, 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 no. You know, the young ones, yeah, like I've had 19, 20-year-olds and like, oh, yeah, my girlfriend's a bitch and put out. And I'm like, she doesn't have to, mate. Don't be with her. And just see escorts if that's what you want. That's what the service is here for. It's not, you know, it's to prevent you from feeling the need. Mm. So we shouldn't have to prevent that need. To go and force people into, you know, your partners into having sex with you. Like that's (laughs) – but, yeah, young ones, I'm like, you're immature, you've got shit to learn. But men who are married in their 40s, it's like, come on, mate, you've got kids, you've got daughters. Yeah, it's a kind of Grow up. By, by now. Yeah. Does uh, and and the work in general, uh, Hannah? Does it involve you going to their place, or they go to your place, or a hotel both. room? Both. Yeah, both. So I um will work out of. I used to when my budget was a lot lot lower, and I started first out in independent. I'd get just like a little hotel room, um. But now I work out of an apartment because that way I can have intercom. Um, I can buzz people up. They don't 
they can't just come up to my room, mm. um, that sort of thing. Um, and there's secure parking for my car, so nobody's waiting in the car park to see what car I drive because mm. that has happened to me. That would been be stalked. my next question. Do people follow you or the fact that they know where you live? What's I mean, what's that like for you? I mean, I'm a therapist and I wouldn't even have, a, I wouldn't have an office at home. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't work where I, I don't work where I live. I have a yeah. separate apartment that I'll okay. book. I'll never, I personally won't. So mm. obviously if you're in an apartment, it's, it's, it's much more it's much safer i know girls that work where they live because they can't afford both which is fine um but um it's hard for you to separate work and that men- mentality thing mm. it comes into it you know a friend of mine's just left the city because she's just like i can't separate work and home i don't switch off i don't go to bed i don't go home you know so yeah mm. um do, do you find through the nature of the work then that typically you would uh, find yourself in friendships or associate with sex workers or escorts in general or how do non you know people not in that industry how do they react to to knowing what you do yeah so I'm just like super upfront about it I'm super open about it now um as I can be um it's on like it's on my social media everywhere when people meet me it's just like a normal job I'm not like straight away like hey I'm an escort but it's like oh what do you do for work I'm like oh I'm a sex worker and I engage there from there but really mm. like I've a f- I'm mostly around sex workers um because of my online social networking the way I've like chosen my friends and I'm constantly like growing and whatnot and my circle is essentially LGBTQA plus women and sex workers there's not really a lot of straight people who are neurotypical around me it doesn't really happen mm-hmm. now um but, but like do you think um and do you think that is as a result of the work you know having to been in contact with so many men and uh, you know what seeing perhaps mm. what what it's like do you think it's I've got a couple of straight male like friends in my life um but essentially I don't I don't I'm not friends with anyone that's not okay with it because that just says to me you're judgmental and you've got the different mentality and we're just going to argue essentially um who I am is not up for debate and what I do is not up for debate you clearly don't like me for who I am and don't agree with what I do so goodbye <laughs> mm, mm. yeah and regardless of partners being heterosexual or homosexual how do the how do they react to to what you do in general yeah um some people are like oh oh okay that's cool a lot, a lot of people will actually be like oh that's cool and a lot of actually it's funny a lot of people will be like oh I, I know a sex worker like there's so many out there although we like I am a sex worker like the amount of people that confess they were a sex sex worker to me is phenomenal men wow. and women um, whether it was OnlyFans, stripping, topless mm. waitressing, mm. escorting, any of it. Um, but I have had a couple of negative reactions where it's a bit like uh, it's either, oh, why would you do that? Or it's um, if it's a dude, it'll be they will suddenly want to date me. And it's like you want to get free services. I know what you're doing. You know yeah. what I mean? So it'll go, yeah, disgust or, oh, I can manipulate this person to get what I want. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, am I wrong in guessing due to the to – the- perceived intimacy i suppose of the mm-hmm. act do yeah. you get a lot of people kind of unloading emotionally which a lot of people do mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um i don't mind listening like i like i genuinely like helping people i genuinely do and um it teaches me a lot about men and their feelings and and how they see things and what they go through and it's it's nice it helps me forgive a lot of them so um but that a lot of them do because 
for me, like a lot of men will book me because they can't do something with their partner. They want to because they're scared of being judged or or there's something that she doesn't want to do and he wants to try or whatever. And so they're like, I can do, I can get what I want here. I can be who I am here. And a lot of them will unload. A lot of them have just lost, like lost a relationship or um, they're, they're leaving one or someone's just left them. Like um, I've had a lot of, yeah, a lot of dudes open up but then I also have a lot of dudes that don't learn boundaries mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah I've had a few I've had a couple that have just um gone too far and have claimed to be in love with me and I'm like you don't actually know me this is a persona um yeah and it's I've had to cut them off because it's just gotten too they've gone too far yeah <laughs> is, is this uh more of an acting gig Hannah? Yeah, I mean, to to a degree, obviously, these are people and, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, there are people that you get to know and, like, regulars. Like, I've been seeing one of my regulars for two years now and, um, you know, this this man, if I've broken down on the highway with a flat tyre and he's come in the pouring rain to change it for me, but he doesn't ever be, you know, try and follow me or... Um, talk to me when I'm not working and if he does it that's fine but he doesn't push boundaries mm-hmm. and he knows you know so like that's the ideal yeah, client you know I have amazing clients yeah I have a lot of amazing regulars that will like if I've not been okay mentally some of them have literally just come over given me a coffee and a hug and they've just been amazing so you know there are clients I can be myself with that do know my real name mm-hmm. um, they know about my life and they're genuine people you know but yeah it's very few very few yeah yeah. Is it something you intend to continue? Is it something you see yourself doing for a long more time? Or is it just for you? It's like, nah, this is how I make my money. This is what I'm, this is what I need to do for now. Yeah. So this is, this is something that I've used to like my advantage to pursue like what I want to do in the long term. My, my long, long term goal is to have children. And I figured to myself that if I didn't meet anybody, that's okay. I'm a woman, I can have children. So I set up, you know, this idea of I've got to have income coming in. So I've got to have a business that can run mostly without me. So I can be a hands-on mom because I don't want to work to have someone else raise my child. Mm. Um, So I thought, you know, let's start a business. And I've been passionate about hip hop for a long time. Um, and I, you know, I'm a feminist, so I want to have a business that elevates, you know, women and LGBTQA plus in hip hop in Australia. And I've got a few business plans to help do that. I'm not going to announce it on here because I don't want to copycats, (laughs) 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 but because I'm very mindful, but, um, you know, and with sex work being ADHD, I hate Monday to Friday, nine to five, sit in this desk, do nothing. I have constantly been told that I am difficult to work with. I might not get up and walk around all the time like people might assume ADHD to be, Mm, mm. but I needed music. I needed to be engaged and whatnot. And I just couldn't be doing the same thing every day. Whereas with this, I'm meeting different people. I'm working at different times. I get to choose who I see if I Mm. don't feel well or I just can't do it. I don't have to explain. I don't have to get a sick certificate. I don't have someone making me feel guilty. I don't have to go unpaid. Like, well, I do have to go unpaid, but like I don't have to use leave and have someone make me feel crap about it. Mm. You know, it's nice. I've not been able, I've not been beating myself up so much. So I can get to my goal on my terms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We were just chatting before we, before we went live, um, Hannah, we've got a couple of things in common. One is our love for hip hop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One is our love for hip hop. Do you want to show people your tattoo? Oh yeah, I got my little little yeah. Kim from the nineties pre surgery. Yeah, so 
That's one thing we have in common is our love for 90s yeah. hip hop. And the other thing we yeah. have in common is we're both neurodivergent. Uh, I'm autistic. You've mentioned there uh-huh. the, the ADHD. What mm-hmm. was it like for you to get to get that diagnosis? And, you know, what difficulties, as you said, you know, nine to five, I can't do it. You know, just I suppose you're cleared up some of the misconceptions there when people think ADHD Really, what a lot of people focus on is the is the H, the hyperactivity. That you know, if you're ADHD, mm. you have to be fucking bouncing around the place all the time, and you're you're a constant yeah. fidget, and you know, just bouncing yeah. off the walls. Uh, so, could you maybe speak a little bit on, on that experience? Yeah. Um. So, I never even considered it to be honest. Um. I never even thought about it. I was like, I'm BPD and bipolar. That's why I'm so all over the place, and that's why I keep having all these breakdowns and blah blah blah. Um. But a friend, I made a friends with a, a female rapper who's ADHD and um, she's getting to know me and she's like, you have a lot in common with me, like a lot in common with me. I think you need to go and get assessed. And it took me a long time to get assessed because it took me a long time to find somewhere that would take me, um, find a doctor that would refer me um, and also to get an appointment and pay for it because it's expensive. Mm. Um but I persisted and about six or so months later, I was, oh, I think it was eight months later, I was di- uh, diagnosed um, and I was like, oh, my God. And as I started learning about it and learning about ADHD in women, I was like, oh, because I was like, no, I did well in school and, you know, I passed everything and, like, I did well on these ones but I passed and everything. And it made me realise, like, when I did my uni degree, I would go, for, go from high school where there's constantly body doubling and there's constantly – ways to stimulate I can listen to music and learn in my own way you know Mm. going to uni where I'm like sit down for three hours look at this lecture we're going to go through the slides at 50 kilometers per hour (laughs) um (laughs) expect you to retain it just by looking at it and then sit Mm. down regurgitate what you learned go and I struggled I went from being this high achieving writer who's talented and got so many praises from teachers to go to the writing center you need to learn how to write an essay you suck like (laughs) and it was just the worst I was going to give up on writing forever because I was like I'm dumb, like, blah. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, they just didn't cater to your learning style. Yeah. As you look back now, Hannah, what's, what do you see that were ADHD traits that at the time you were so oblivious to? <laughs> um, definitely, uh, if it doesn't interest me, I don't give a shit. If I'm not good at it in five minutes, I'm done. I'm done forever. I'm not doing it. I'm never going to do it. Um, executive dysfunction is a huge one. So it's just like, I want to do the thing, but I can't. And the exams tomorrow morning, it's now nine o'clock at night. Better cram the exam. Like <laughs> little things like that. Um, just like stimming, like so like playing with my hair a lot, mm. touching my face a lot, struggling to sleep, struggling to eat, really forgetting about appointments. I have to live off my calendar, bad with money long term. If there's like an urgent goal, I can do it. But like saving for taxes freaking nightmare um, <laughs> uh, yeah, don't talk so about the fucking things. i gave revenue a big chunk of change last week so <laughs> i feel yeah, your pain yeah. <laughs> it's and it's so it's so conflicting my psychiatrist i'm going back at the end of the month um because he suspects um asd and i i sort of was just like no i was like i think you i think you're seeing symptoms that are overlapping with adhd and he said no mm-hmm. i think you need to research asperger's it's a different he's like yeah, it's sort of exactly. thing now he's yeah. like but it's and it's different in women and it's different to what people see as autism you know mm-hmm. so i was like yeah so t- so what I, mean, I would have been diagnosed uh, so i suppose just just to clarify for people so asd autism spectrum disorder uh mm-hmm. there is no longer the diagnosis of asperger's yeah. And, and the other, the other yeah. very important thing I think you touched on there is the diagnosis of it in women. 
So oh, it was for a long time suspected it was only it was only men. The reason for mm-hmm. that, part of the reason for that being is girls learn to be social and they are more social yes. typically. So it doesn't manifest yes. the same way as, as it does in, yeah. in, in young boys or, or in men. I mean, I was only diagnosed, you know, last year, a year and a half ago. Wow. Mm. Wow. And I wouldn't have been only for I do what I do. Of course. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> bit limits. Yeah. What, nice what was it like to, to finally, answers. you know, to finally go, well, you know, ADHD. What, what was that experience like for you? Um, I had a lot of imposter syndrome, um, for sure, because I was like, they've misdiagnosed me before, they'll misdiagnose me again. I was um, on bad terms with a, a friend who would claim that I was faking it and um, using it for attention um, and that sort of thing, and that sort of would get in my head a bit like, maybe you're just making it up, maybe. But then I think to myself, like, you didn't know this person when you were in uni. Um, explain going from higher chip, you know what I mean? So my friend, mm. my friends, like my close friends are constantly like, look at all this evidence um, that trumps it out. And even my psychiatrist, he wanted to see me a a few times before he diagnosed me. And he went through like everything. Like he spoke to several friends of mine. He spoke like, you know what I mean? He did went above and beyond to make sure he got it right. And um, yeah, it was just like so nice to forgive myself for not being a a lazy slob. Mm. Um, It's Mm. actually, this is what it is. And this is what you need to combat that. And I've gone, Oh, I can clean my house. Like my room can stay clean. Those clothes can come off the floor. What do you mean? Like that's Mm. impossible. You know, it's amazing. I'm like, yes, I have skills, you know. Mm. It's just, I think it's just learning that, you know, your brain operates just a little bit differently and working, working within the confines of that um, and finding out, oh, there's a reason why you've done the things you've done in the past and why you are the way you are. You know, and I'm studying at a creative institute now where it's all what you do. Like, this is what we want from this. But mm. you can, you're like, here's the criteria, but you mold that around what you do. So they don't force me to record a genre that is like, we just want to know that you can record something, record something. Mm. And I can just do whatever I want. And I can, none of them feel like work. Like, even my sound theory, we had to acoustically treat a room with everyday objects, um, which is what I've done behind me. It's just a blanket over a clothes yeah. hanger. Um, <laughs> for mixing yeah um you know but it was like really interesting so I was like I like this I can use this this is cool now I can make a little studio with like no money that's fine and it will still work fine it was really cool and it was all by doing and my Irish teacher (laughs) who Mm. is in the DJing that we spoke about offline Mm. he um wrote a letter for me to help with my diagnosis and um he's been really really cool really supportive but when I see him he's like oh you know he remembers like because I think he's ADHD as well. I can just pick up on some <laughs> when things. When you got it, just spot it. <laughs> Both of us are just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's funny as hell. Um, you know, he'll remember, he'll remember like, oh, you, you saw your psychiatrist like last week. How'd they go? Like, he'll remember little things. I'm just mm. like, oh, thank you. But yeah, mm. he was, he helped me get diagnosed. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Do you find, I, I've certainly found being self-employed lends itself to that. You know, just yeah. being able to, oh, yeah, yeah do you find the same? That's... Yeah, yeah, it helps with my, I hate routine, but I I need routine. Mm-hmm. So like certain things I need to be in routine, but certain things I don't like in routine. So that might be, that, that might be the, that might be potential ASD conflicting with ADHD. There's a few things there. So I can see where my psychiatrist is going with that, but we'll pursue that. Um, but yeah, it's so nice not to be told when to work. Because some days I just wake up and I'm like, I just can't today. I can't do it. And um, 
being forced into doing things, I turn into like a five-year-old kid, like, I don't want to do it, you know, (laughs) and that's why I become difficult to work with because I don't want to freaking be here. Mm -hmm. But days I want to be there, I am high achieving, I do so much work, you know, I love it. Um, So if you get me on those days and I can be the one to call the shots there, phenomenal worker, you know. Mm. What's it like though? Yes, you know, there's days where you have to, you know, you're like, I don't want to do it, but, you know, it is a job. You know, yeah, of course. It's yeah, called of work. Course. What, what's it like? I mean, do you just kind of get the game face on, or you know, what what does life look like on those days when when you? When well, you're I think that the beauty of my job is I can get a lot of money together um, quickly. So if I have a good day, I'm like, oh, I can. You know what I mean? Um, and the fact that someone's coming right now, the urgency sets in, mm. or if things need to be paid for that week, if this is what I need to earn. That urgency is there, so that's what motivates me. It's it's when it's just routine, the same. We're going to make this every month. You're going to come in. You're going to sit at this computer. It's going to be 50 hours. Whereas I might work like five, six hours, like max. There have been days where I've had to work 14 hours too, like when it's been bad and I've needed the money. But at the moment with the well, client. What hold does that built, take, Anna? You know, 40, 14 oh, hours. It's or... just boring. If I'm working that long, it means I'm not getting bookings. You know what I mean? If I'm getting bookings, it's a short day. But if I'm not getting bookings, I'm just sitting around and trying not to fall asleep and you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but you sort of research where you work and you research days, you research times and that sort of thing. So Is, is there a rush hour, fun. Hannah? <laughs> oh, what's what's the busy days for you? Uh, Thursday, Friday, for Coming sure. The weekend, Thursday, is it? Friday, um, yeah, weekends. Uh, Sundays get pretty busy. Um, people are a bit like... Yeah, before the end, like they they want to make the most of their Sunday, the before the weekend ends, I guess. Mm. Um, well, yeah, one of the things the I don't week. know if it's related. Let's let's have a chat about it and let's see if it is. Mm-hmm. One of the things I would I would find with um, you know uh, individuals, clients, I would see uh, after a breakup. You know, people think, oh, mm-hmm. you know, you're sitting in on a Saturday night and this kind of thing or Friday night. It's never the Friday or Saturday night that they struggle with. It's the Sunday. It's you know being out mm-hmm. in public and there's couples going around holding hands and this kind of stuff but the, the loneliness seems to seems to kick in on a sunday you think that you think it's it's related in any way to that so, yeah you know maybe the weekend is be. over and be, you know yeah. you're sitting at home with your own thoughts or your own your own feelings yeah sundays for snuggling up in bed making mm. pancakes or whatever or mm. going for brunch or you know um so that that could definitely contribute to that, absolutely. You know, like you've gone out with the boys the night before, their boys are all there, back with their girlfriends. You mm, know, um, mm. so yeah, that that probably would contribute a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah. it's probably it's probably an indicator, perhaps, of my own prudishness, and 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 I hold my hands up to it. Um, I've never I've never engaged the services of a sex worker or anything like that. But I remember being on a stag night one night. Now this is this is years ago, a long time since I've been on the mm-hmm. stag night. And I couldn't mm-hmm. believe the openness with which all of the lads there were talking about it. Oh, and do you remember you were yeah. with this one? And do you remember? Uh, and then, you know, just talking about um, yeah. this prostitute that they had been with, this escort that they had been with, this sex worker that they had been with. Um, and I, it, was, it was difficult for me to fathom of, okay. you know, how, how open they were and mm-hmm. how... Blase about it, and and I don't know if that's if that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, to be to be so blase about it. I've gone, and again, probably my own prudishness around you're talking about another person. 
Yeah. You know, this is you're talking yeah. about. Well, I guess you it know, depends on how they're being. talking about it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. There's, oh, I went and saw um, an escort. Um, really good thing. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I didn't try and date and waste anyone's time. And then there's, oh, yeah, you know what? Fuck this fucking whore. Yeah, blah, it, was, blah, it, was blah. Certainly, it was certainly more along those lines. Yeah, that's a bit different. That's a little bit of, uh, yeah. yeah, a little bit of misogyny there. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah no respect. That's a bit different. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like to hear that either. It's like, this is a person, you know, you also participated. So you are you also a whore? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're only doing what they're doing yeah. because you're paying. Yeah, it's a needed service, obviously. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Due to the nature of the work, Hannah, do you find yourself being propositioned for stuff that you're not comfortable with or stuff that, you know, you maybe go along with, but in, in, in your head, you're going, oh, what the fuck? Like, dude. What, what, what happened yeah. to you? You know, could you maybe speak yeah. to maybe some of those experiences? Some like experiences that have just yeah. been like any any of those ones where like what, what, yeah 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 what the fuck like yeah yeah fantasies yeah. or anything um, like that. I used to I used to be a bit like that like a bit like what the hell but like I've I've got a background in psychology as well as you like and I I find it really interesting and mm. I um the ones that would book with me like I'm really like I just sort of. I ask them about like, what is it about it that you like so I can make sure I like tap into that. Mm. I'm really interested. Like there's no judgment here. I just want to know, like, it's just really interesting. Um, and a lot of men have opened up to me. A lot of men have been, you know, um, abused themselves or they like a lot of men who sort of like the um, more of a dominant uh, service require, I was require, um, have had and, constantly have to have control in their lives and everything so they're in very high stressful jobs yeah, with a family yeah, they have to provide yeah. and they you know they need somewhere to unwind so a lot of the time it's just like this little thing inside them that wants to be let out every once in a while and then they can go back to their everyday life mm. yeah i i think again though as i said earlier you've struck me as someone that's been extremely lucky and, oh, I, and I, yeah. I can't imagine there's absolutely too, there's too many hannahs out there that have um that would have perhaps maybe the more stereotypical um, uh, sex worker experience of, you know, maybe coerced into it a little bit or have had uh, been raped or sexually assaulted or, you know, had to deal with. Oh, yeah. It's it's very common. Quotation marks, you know, that that side of things. People think that we belong to them because they paid. Um, And I'm lucky because I've had, positive experiences mm. i've had more negative experiences outside of sex work with men to be honest i've been abused more outside of sex work wow. um but you know i've had very positive experiences um but there are a lot that are not and there are a lot of women who um as we discussed earlier who need to just need some help with some inner work and have gone through some things and they are not able to stick up for themselves see i'm able to stick up for myself i'm confident i yeah. and can be intimidating whereas a lot of girls just they don't want to do that and a lot of men can sense that and it's it's really makes me sick it makes mm. me sick you're able to hold that boundary and you know fucking mm. kind of put them back and in a the lot box of girls can they're scared they yeah. you know they're scared they're half the size of these people that you know you know you don't know mm. yeah and I thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story. This has been absolutely, absolutely fascinating. I think we could have done a whole episode just on 90s hip-hop and it would have been, would have been as equally enjoyable for me. <laughs> I'll be here for it. I, 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 I don't know if any of our listeners <laughs> would, would enjoy it as much. Ashling, found you through TikTok. Can we find you on any other social media or can you let people know how they could maybe learn a little bit more about your experience? Yeah, so TikTok and Instagram would be where to go. TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, and yep. the, the username for those? 
So my Instagram is there's three underscores and it's the the alpha 1.0. Okay. And then my TikTok, I've had so many accounts, I have to check my username. <laughs> Do you get banned? Do you get banned? Because they keep deleting me. Yeah, I was just going to say, does that happen? All the time. Not because of my job, because I um I see people bullying people and I defend them, being like, you can, you know, I'll do a duet. I'm like, you, that's bullying, like blah blah blah. You're being like misogynistic, like that. And they will keep theirs and remove mine. And I and I, I wrote into TikTok a million times. <laughs> and um, burn the yeah, bridges. So, <laughs> Save your complex. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so, I'm the worst. Um, so the tick the TikTok username is the Alpha 2.0 because 1.0 was banned, <laughs> and the this will probably version. get banned soon too. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alan. So before we leave, the last words of wisdom with Hannah. Just a quick plug on the social media again, folks. So that is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and. YouTube and all of those are at STMH Podcast. If you want to email us, hello at stmhpodcast.com, website www.stmhpodcast.com. If you could give a comment, give a share, folks, that's really going to help us. You know, we're trying to reach as many people as we can, keep as many people alive as we can, because as we know from previous correspondence, that's exactly what this podcast does. We've been keeping people alive through the work that we're doing, and we really appreciate those people letting us know the impact that we're having on them. The other thing you could do to help us out is, if you're on your phone, probably where most people listen to their podcasts, click into your Spotify app, hit five stars, that's really going to help us. Or if you're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, just click in, hit five stars. If you really want to help us out, you can leave a comment on that, on that review. So if you've taken anything from the podcast, if you've entertained you, if you've learned something, just please, please drop that five-star review. That's really going to help us out. Hopefully all will be back to normal on the next episode. But before then, folks, you know what to do. Look after yourselves and look after each other. One, one other thing that we ask of every guest that comes on, Anna, is we maybe to just ask them to share some maybe some words of wisdom, some life learnings, something to have, to have taken from this life so far that they'd, they'd like to maybe impart with our listeners or our viewers on YouTube. Is there anything you'd like to, you'd like to share with the, with the people of the world out there? Yeah, I think just that the relationship with yourself is the most important relationship you have. Um, you know, you we are all raised to think that if you don't end up with somebody, you're going to be miserable. But that's just a religious ideal. That's just a Christian ideal. And it's not true. Um, you need to work on yourself and you need to understand who you are and what you do and do like, what isn't right for you to make the most out of the relationships in your life because if you don't know what you need and who you are how can you expect somebody else to give that to you Dream. mental health Dream. mental health Dream. mental health Dream. mental health